But anyway, we're looking at Exodus 34, and uh, I've been looking at, at that a while and asking the question, uh, what's God like? Which is a really good question uh, to ask. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Exodus 34. Uh, if not, I'm going to uh, read a bit out of it uh, anyway. Uh, the, the danger of, uh, um, I don't know, I've heard different quotes. People, I've heard people say things like, I prefer not to think about God like that. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Or I, I, I can't imagine a God who something else. Or I couldn't believe in a God who whatever. And uh, people use these phrases and they mean different things by them. But, but the truth is we, we don't kind of have the right to make God in our how we'd like him to be. He's kind of bigger than us. You might not realise that. But so, uh, so the idea that you can kind of choose bits of God, as if you're in Woolworths of old, picking and mixing bits of God, that, that's, a, that's a fiction. That's kind of a bit like making an idol, really. I mean, we would kind of think it's not very sensible to make an idol of wood and stone, but, and yet we kind of like to do it, really. We like to make a God who's... And, and the danger is we kind of shrink him to a bit like us, uh, but bigger, He's kind of more helpful to us than when we're in trouble and less of a nuisance when we're doing what we want to do. That's the kind of God we, we like to, to like to invent. But, but God is God. He is as he is. And in this passage in Exodus 34, God reveals himself uh, to Moses. And uh, I, I, don't know if you can, I don't know if you've got a good imagination or not. I've got a fairly um, creative zany one and uh, but anyway I don't know if you can imagine being a slave at the time of Moses I don't know what they wore but um, you, you're kind of there you're making bricks and then Moses comes to you I imagine him with a fairly full-on Jim Harper type beard uh, woodsman but anyway he might not have been like that at all but anyway Moses appears to you and he says the God of Abraham's appeared to me we're off we're going and uh, and the plagues follow and it's all a bit chaotic. And then you find yourself, you're an ethnic group, you're about to become a nation. Uh, and, and so you follow this, he's your kind of, your ancestor, this God of Abraham, but you kind of don't, you don't really know who he is. And what's more, Moses doesn't really know who he is. He knows he's powerful, he knows there's a bush, a light, and it doesn't get consumed. And so this God of Abraham, the God that their fathers told them and their fathers told them, this God has taken you out, he's rescued you, he's parted seas for you, he's put kind of heavenly cornflakes on your root and you get fed. So you know he's not like the gods of Egypt. They're vindictive, they're nasty, you've got to keep on the good side of them or you get mashed. They're not nice, you read up about the gods of Canaan or the gods of Egypt, the, the ancient Near East, they are not nice. They're capricious, they're nasty. You've got to keep on the right side of them. You know this God's not like that because he's only done you good. But Moses gets to the mountain, he receives the Ten Commandments, and he wants to know more about God. And so he says to God, God, would you, would you show me your glory? That's a big, you know, show me what your presence is like. Show me what your personality is like. And, and God basically says to him, look, if you see me, you'd be fried. No man can look at me at live. But, but I tell you what you'd, I'll do, Moses. I'll hide you in the rock and pass by and I'll reveal myself to you. And the way he revealed his glory was he explained his name, his character. You know, our character is what really matters about us, what we're really like. And that's what Moses is doing in this passage. So Exodus 34 and verse 5 onwards. Uh, the Lord 
came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord. When you see it in capitals like that, it means Yahweh, the great I am, the one who always is, uh, the compassionate and gracious God. And that's the bit we're going to look at this morning. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. And we'll, we'll pause there. So who is this God? What's, what's he like? not like the gods of Egypt, and here he describes himself. This is God's self-description. And uh, the last time we looked at this, which you won't remember, we just looked at the word Yahweh, God unchanging, a personal name because he wants a personal relationship with you and I. He wants us to know him, he wants to know us, and we looked at that. Uh, And now Moses has asked God, show me, show me your beauty, if you like. Show me what your character is like. And this is God's answer. And he starts with compassionate and gracious. So let's just unpack that just for a few minutes this morning. And it's a word pairing that you see a lot all through the Bible from this point on. Compassionate and gracious. Sometimes the word merciful is used instead of the the gracious bit, compassionate and and, um, merciful. But you see it all the time. So what what does it mean? Well, compassionate is a great, it's a great Hebrew word. And it's from a word, rahum, which you can forget straight away because it really doesn't matter. But but the root of that word is this, it's the womb. What's that about? What he's saying here is, is the idea is that that God feels for his people like a mother feels for her child. Now, some are mothers here, some remember having one. Uh, I guess all of us had one once. Anyway, uh, that's, that's the root of this word, that, that God has an intense, deeply rooted, emotional gut instinct towards her child. He wants, she wants to defend the child, she wants to protect the child, she wants to provide for the child, because that's what mums do, isn't it? I can remember once when a teacher treated me not very well at primary I think I was at the end of primary school and I went home in tears as you do and uh, my, my mum was very meek a very gentle lady and uh, she turned into something like akin to kind of Queen Bodicea on a bicycle and she kind of she kind of launched she's like a lioness defending her little one that's that's a kind of mother's instinct isn't it when you see your child touch that that's the word used of the Lord's attitude towards you if you're one of his people. He's compassionate and it's, a, it's, a, it's an intensive, it's a feeling word. I don't know if you, you say, you know, God's not remote and up there. You're not a number. It's not like the tax people. No, he, he, he deeply feels towards every one of his children. He, he, he feels towards you. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but, but God does. And he feels things about you. I don't know if you're familiar with that, that way of thinking about God. He's a feeling God. Isaiah 59, verse 15, just one example of this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. That's, 
That's the love of our God, like a mother. Psalm 103, verse 8 and and 13, puts kind of the other side of it, if you like. It's like a father as well. Uh, Quoting, actually quoting this verse in Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. That's the quote. And here's the the kind of follow-on. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. In other words, Yahweh, our Lord, feels about us as a great father or mother feels about their children. Now, I'm aware that that may not be all of our experiences. Some of us have had, sadly, other experiences of mothers or or fathers or or both. So for some, it doesn't connect so well. But imagine the, the greatest and best mother or father you could ever know and times that by a few thousand. And then you're getting something like the feeling of the compassion that our Lord has towards us. Others of us, of course, really connect with it well because we had a parent like that, and that's that's great. There's no love so fierce, so deep in the soul as a parent's love for their child. That's how God feels towards us. So so compassion then is is a feeling word, but he's also gracious. He's compassionate and gracious, and gracious, if compassion is a feeling word, Gracious is an action word. It's what you do with the feeling, you know, isn't it? I don't know if you ever feel something but can't do anything about it. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? When you, when you feel something towards somebody in, in trouble or difficulty, but you can do nothing, it's, it's horrible. But God isn't like that. He, he not only feels deeply, but he's gracious towards us. It's an action word. It means to show favour. God shows us favour. In the Old Testament, that, that word... Gracious is used for really practical actions. There's a couple in the book of, uh, book of Proverbs. So you borrow a cloak from someone. I don't know why you borrow a cloak from someone. It's just there. But you borrow a cloak from someone and it says, it says make sure you give it back before nightfall because it might just be the only covering that person's got. This is, this is a poor person. It's the person who hasn't got a bedspread or a duvet whatever they had in Old Testament times, and you borrow the cloak from them, I don't know why, maybe it's raining, who knows? You're going to town. Don't forget, he says, don't forget to give the cloak back. Dead, dead practical, bog-standard thing. And it, Why? Because God is compassionate and gracious. So, so why, why do you give things back that you borrow? Well, because you blooming well ought to. No, because God is gracious. In other words, be like, be like him. Be gracious. It's a practical doing word. Do you see that? There's another one. Don't charge high interest rate. You, you, you feel someone in the church, and they, they need some help. You can't afford to give it to them. Shame. Anyway, you can't afford to do that. You, you lend them some money. Don't charge a high interest rate. Why? Because God is gracious. So he's saying God is gracious. Let's be gracious ourselves. You see, it's a very practical thing. Uh, David quotes this um, verse in Psalm 86, verse 14. In a prayer, he says, arrogant foes are attacking me. They've got no regard for you, Lord, but you are compassionate and gracious. So turn to me and be gracious. So he's praying, he's saying, I'm in a sticky place. People are being nasty to me. They're arrogant. They're treating me badly. But I'm remembering what you're like. And I'm saying, God, if that's what you're like, then act like it. It's kind of using it in in prayer, the character of God. So that's gracious, an action word. So so Yahweh is always feeling like a father or mother, and we're his beloved children. But he's also, also acting as a parent, coming to rescue us 
when we're in need of help. So I want to just earth that a little bit more, if you like. Let, let's, for example, let's just think about prayer. When you come to God and pray, there are all sorts of ways of praying, aren't there? <laughs> and um, when we come, we're coming to a God who's compassionate and gracious. Sometimes we, we pray, oh, you might not do this, but sometimes I know I've, I've prayed on a different basis. For example, sometimes people pray on the basis of what they've done. You ever done that? Maybe someone else you know has. Uh, you say, it's like this. You say, God, I'm a fairly good person. I mean, I'm not as, I'm not as good as Jonathan, but, you know, I'm better than Colin. No, only joking. <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> you know, I, I go to church. I give to charity. Sometimes I, sometimes I buy that, um, that magazine off someone in the street and that do them good. I, you know, I'm not a bad person. So I'm, as I'm fairly nice, could you please do such and such? You ever pray, you ever pray like that? That's, that's praying on the basis of kind of earning, isn't it? Kind of, on the basis of, of some merit, as if God owes you a break because of good behaviour. I don't know what you do with them when you behave badly. That's the only problem. But, but no, that's not the way we should pray. That's kind of religion at its worst, really. It, it shows we've not understood that he's a gracious and compassionate God. Or here's another one, and I definitely do this one. It's not completely wrong, but it's not the best. I, pray on the basis of your circumstances. Now, of, of course, we can pray about our circumstances, but it, it goes like this. So like, God, I'm the victim here. Uh, life is tough. It doesn't seem fair. My feet hurt. I can't find a parking space. It's raining. I forgot my, forgot my umbrella. I'm really wet. Um, so, so could you please do us a favour and do such and such? So, so it's, rather than claiming your merit, it's, it's, it's kind of praying on the basis of your hard luck case. It's kind of self-pitying kind of prayer. Now, it's fine. God hears our laments. It's okay. David did. These, these arrogant people are giving me a hard time. But he didn't pray just on the basis of having a pity party. So he, he prayed on the basis of, but you are compassionate. It's, in other words, he's praying on the basis of who God is. That's a, that's a better way. Now, of course, God is gracious, and so he does hear our complaints and our moans and groans. And he's got very broad shoulders, so you can, you can tell him all of that. But, but how much better to come to God based on who he is. Lord, thank you that you're compassionate. Thank you that you're gracious. And Lord, you don't owe me anything. But because you're always merciful, I'm coming and bringing you this situation can you please intervene? Can you please help us? Can you please sustain us through this? Do you, see, do you see the difference? Grasping hold of who God is, gracious and full of compassion. Let me tell you, remind you of a story. Uh, you remember Jonah? Jonah the Mona? Jonah the reluctant missionary? Bit of a racist, actually. But he was sent to, to Nineveh, which, uh, uh, and the, Nineveh was the capital of the ones with the black hats, the enemy of God's people, and uh, the capital, savage capital, really, of Assyria. And he was sent to announce its destruction and judgment. Let me give you a quote from a couple of their rulers, and you can see what kind of a, uh, a, a show they were. Shalmaneser II. I don't know if anyone's expecting a baby, but I wouldn't suggest that as a name. Shalmaneser II. This is what he said in one of his historical records. A pyramid of heads I reared up in front of that city. Their youth and maidens I burnt up in the flames. Not a nice place to be sent as a missionary. 
really. I mean, I think most of us would have second thoughts, maybe third thoughts. His son, Sennacherib, Sennacherib, just another idea for a name, uh, a he said this of a defeated king, I flayed him and spread his skin upon the wall of the city. Not a nice person. So no wonder Jonah ran, although actually he wasn't just fleeing from that city. He was fleeing. It says he ran from the Lord. Jonah 1 verse 3. I don't know if any of you are running away from God. It's a, it's a bit silly, really. I mean, where are you going to go? Anyway, leave that to one side. Eventually he got there via a whale and a disaster and uh, praying a prayer in, in the belly of a whale. And, and, and he announces, and this but he did like, in 40 days this city will be destroyed. He liked that because they were the enemies of God's people and he didn't like them anyway. So that bit he did like. And, uh, but in a twist, you know, probably know the story. Jonah's a great book to read if you're struggling to read the Bible. It's a bit like an Indiana Jones movie, Shrunk. But anyway, there's always things happening in Jonah, full of action. But in a twist, the city repents. That means they change their minds about their behaviour. And they turn to God. They destroy their old uh, idols. The king calls a day of prayer and repentance. And, uh, and it says this amazing verse, Jonah 3, verse 10. God relented. Or you could actually translate it, God repented. Ooh, does he do that kind of thing? Well, that's what it says. In other words, he changed his mind. And the city was not going to be destroyed. Because Yahweh, our Lord, is a personal God. He responds when we respond. It's not all kind of signed, sealed and delivered and that's it. Uh, John Mark Comer, who I really like, he said this. He says, there's an elasticity in God's dealings with us. I like that phrase. We, we don't do that and he responds like this. We change our mind, we do that. And he changes his response and that's what happens. And, and you know what? Jonah is so angry. He's so angry, A, because none of us like it when we say what's going to happen doesn't happen and we're made to look a bit of a wally. But also, he's just angry that God's merciful. He's, and, and guess what he does? And you know you're in trouble when you do this. He starts quoting the Bible back at God. You ever do that? <laughs> he actually quotes Exodus 34. He quotes the passage we're looking at this morning. And Jonah 4, verse 2 and 3 says, oh, I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God. And he's actually angry about it. He's really angry. Not that God is merciful and compassionate, but that he's merciful and compassionate to this bunch. Because he didn't like them. He didn't like them as a race. He didn't like the way they behaved. And so he's cross that God is merciful. And it's easy to laugh at Jonah. Uh, well, I think it is anyway. I think he's a hoot. But the truth is this. Don't we all love God being compassionate and gracious with us and our friends? I do. I love that God is gracious and compassionate. But here's the, here's the truth, and it, it's one you might struggle with. He's gracious and compassionate to anyone who turns to him. And that, that presents some challenges to us sometimes. He's, he, he can be gracious and compassionate to people who've hurt you. Hmm. Who've got, gossiped about you. Who maybe abandoned you. God, God blesses all sorts of unsavoury characters. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that? Have you ever struggled that God's have you ever struggled that God's really blessed someone that you don't like? No, don't, I'm not asking for hands up. So. <laughs> he does. He's gracious to people who don't deserve it. And sometimes we react as if we did deserve it, but none of us deserve his blessings. It comes out of who he is. He is. It's not, I mean, sometimes I'm quite kind. Other times, you know, I have an off day and I'm not so kind. 
You must be much the same, I'm sure. But God just is. It comes out of who he is. He is compassionate. He's not, he's not you know, I mean, even a pirate can have a good day, do something nice, throw you a bone. But, but God's like it all the time. It's who he is. You, you ever, you ever been cross that God has blessed someone who's hurt you deeply? Not, a few nods, that's very honest. That's how God is. None of us deserve his blessing, really. It's all mercy. Every blessing we get comes dipped in mercy. What about Jesus? Let's just remember Jesus. Yahweh, God, come in the flesh so we can see what God is like. What did he teach in Matthew 5? Love your enemies. See, his, his teaching is grounded in God's character. God is compassionate and merciful, so we can be compassionate and merciful. And it, actually, uh, Matthew 5 43 to 45, he says, love your enemies. And he goes on to say, because your father causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He causes his rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. So he's saying, reflect what I'm like. Be like that yourself. And you get it all through the gospel. Do you remember the 10 lepers? What did they pray? Jesus, have mercy on us. You see it again and again. Or Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. You see it in, in Jesus' teaching. You remember the father who runs towards his wayward kid and embraces him, smelling of pig poo and all the rest of it. Embraces him, put a cloak on, cloak on him, kills a fatty calf, get him some new sandals. God is gracious and compassionate. We see it in Jesus. So let's, let's wind things up. So what? What's the so what? All, all sermons should have a so what. Otherwise, there's no point to it all. We just go home fat-headed. So what's the so what? Well, number one, are you enjoying the compassion and the grace of God? Or is, it, is it in a book? Is it just in Exodus 34? Are you enjoying the grace of God? That's a good question to ask yourself. It really is. Are you enjoying the grace of God? Hebrews 4.16 says this. You, think of your own name, you can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Wow, because it's a throne of grace. It's not a throne of merit. It's not a throne of earning. It's a throne of grace. You can go to the Father and appeal to his compassion and ask him for his grace and help on the basis, not of what you are, but of who he is. Are you enjoying the grace of God? Take advantage of his compassion and grace. Go to him often asking for his help and his mercy and his kindness. That's one thing. That's, that's, that's just earthing a bit. Are you enjoying the grace of God? What, what, if you're not, then just say, God, help me to take advantage of your grace. Help me to enjoy your compassion. This, this week, approach the throne of grace with confidence. You can, you can come in and say, Lord, it's me again. I'm sure you remember me. It's been a while. And ask for his mercy. Ask for his grace to help you in your time of need. Here's the second little uh, earthing it. How about accepting the challenge? Jesus is gracious and compassionate and asks us to be the same. He said things like, things we don't like much, things like, love your enemies and pray for them, that you might be children of your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 45. Be, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. I don't, here's a thought, what? What are your enemies? You might not kind of be conscious of having any enemies, but what do your enemies look like? 
Who, who's the person that gives you most, most aggravation at work? That's just one way of thinking about it. Who's the person you see coming to the counter where you were and you think, oh, no. You want to kind of close up, make him go to the next desk. That, that kind of person. Who, or look at it another way. Who, who is there this week that you could be compassionate or gracious towards? That's just making it practical, isn't it? Who, who can you be compassionate or merciful and gracious towards this week? Because when, when you are, it shows you're growing in the family likeness. Because Yahweh is gracious and compassionate too. And then thirdly, let's not be like Jonah. Let's take the message of God's love and mercy and compassion to all. See, I, I've got a feeling that, you know, the Great Commission's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? Go into all the world. Well, all of it? There's only one of me. Um, but go into all the world with, with the good news. I, I've got a feeling that the great commandment is the way you do the Great Commission. Does that make any sense? You know, loving your neighbour as yourself is a way in for all of us to get into the mission we have to make disciples in every nation. How, how am I going to go and make a disciple? Well, how about this? Love your neighbour as yourself. Show someone the grace and the compassion of your Father in heaven. Can we pray? Let's just bow our heads in, in, pray, in prayer. And just as we're in God's presence before we hand back to Jonathan, I just want to suggest you, you just think of that person you struggle with or that person you could show love towards and just pray for them now and pray for yourself as you, as you accept the challenge to be gracious and compassionate as your heavenly father is gracious and compassionate. Father, thank you for what you're really like. Help us in our, our life struggle to get rid of our wrong ideas about you. Thank you that you're full of undeserved grace and you really feel for us. We ask you that you'd give us the power through your Holy Spirit to live like that towards others. We thank you for your welcome when we come to you. That you don't hold us at a distance, but we can approach your throne of grace with confidence. Knowing that in Jesus we have a sympathetic saviour. Thank you so much, Lord. Help us to represent you well in this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.